All righty, we're back on. Thank you everyone for joining us back for another episode of the GTM Kickback, the number one GTM leadership and strategy interview podcast in the world. <laughs> Today we've got a fantastic guest. I know that's kind of a joke, but <laughs> uh, we've got a guest I'm, I'm super excited about, uh, uh, basically a world leading strategist in customer success and building customer success teams and really, I guess, in consulting B2B SaaS companies in general and, and GTM strategy and developing uh, at the forefront. Miss um, Christy Falteruso, am I saying that right? You're saying that perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Good morning, Christy. Thank you for joining. Good morning, Joey. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me. I'm super excited for today's conversation. Yeah, amazing. So a little bit of background on Christy. You're a 2020 top 25 customer success influencer a thought leader by all capacities of the word world, uh, VP of customer success currently at client success or other customer success managers, yep. <laughs> just a bit, uh, bit of an inception there, which is pretty cool. Uh, founder of CS Real Simple, your own consultancy and uh, overall just a multi-award winning customer success executive, which there are many of those. So it's something you hang uh, proudly on. Um, anything else you could sort of dive into on, on your background? I'm excited. And obviously you've Got a lot of experience in the space, so there's a lot of value to be had in what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, just a little bit more context there. You know, I've been doing customer success now for 10 years. Uh, this is my fifth organization where I've either built, scaled, or transformed customer success organizations. Um, you know, I'm an operational leader, so best practices around you know, processes and infrastructure that are going to help organizations scale is really my sweet spot. So I love to join organizations in their infancy, um, usually when they're about, you know, series B, C, a hundred-ish employees and, and kind of work with them up as they're they're growing towards that hundred million mark. So um, lots of exciting learnings along the way. And so some of them, which we'll cover today. Oh, I like how you said uh, operational-minded leader. And I know that's a bit about what we want to get in today, sort of process, procedure, and I guess guidance and mentorship to teams that you've had in the past and want to grow, um, specifically around, I guess, hiring, interviewing, and qualifying the right candidates for teams, because obviously building a, a go-to-market team, you're building it, <laughs> and you got to find the right people to do that at the forefront. So um, before we dive super into that, I, I guess, tell me about your introduction to customer success, and then maybe further on your introduction into leadership in that space. What was it like? You said about 10 years ago, you actually started in this field. What was it like then and now? And what were your expectations then versus what is the reality now? Yeah. Great, great questions. Um, so a decade ago, I didn't know what customer success was, uh, if we're being honest. And I'm sure many people sit in the same Boat, right, where it just wasn't an industry that was very well known. There weren't really established best practices. It didn't feel like a must-have department in a lot of a lot of companies. So I actually made my way into customer success um, as a subject matter expert. So back, you know, many years ago, um, I was actually in marketing for the first ten years of my professional career. And during that time, I had used a technology called Bright Edge, which was a uh, search engine optimization software that helped you ensure that your websites were getting found in like Google and Yahoo and all of these uh, search engines. So I had used this product uh, not at one company, but at too. And I was a huge champion. I had a ton of success with it. And eventually, and they were, they were, you know, Valley based, uh, you know, SaaS company. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I was like, oh, this is a cool product. And Hey, I can go in and work there and help other people like me be successful using this. And so that was my mindset, right? Like 
oh, if I can do this, I can help other people do it. So that was how I, that was my introduction to what customer success would be. Um, and so I basically, you know, I reached out to the team and I said, hey guys, open an office in New York and I will come work for you. And they did. And I did. And I was their third hire in New York. And that was really how, we, you know, I made my way into customer success. It was, you know, as a product expert and subject matter expert, but, you know, got to work under a really great leader who um, was very thoughtful and forward thinking in the space. And he taught us everything. We, I stayed with the company for five and a half years and, you know, Got, got what I say is like my PhD in customer success under them. So it was a great opportunity, but, you know, very different than what customer success looks like today. Yeah, that's pretty interesting the way you came into it. I think there's there's very finite amount of paths you can take to get into customer success. One is actually like being in customer service or being in some sort of client facing role where, yep. you know, you're going out there and acting almost as like a skilled account manager, I guess is not the word we like to use, but in a way it, it kind of relates, uh, or you come in as sort of a subject matter expert. Those are like the two most common routes, I guess. And yep. nowadays, I think we're seeing the earlier a bit more often, would you say like people taking on customer success as a career move, as opposed to falling in one of those verticals or being more of an SME? Absolutely. I think that there are more people that are more thoughtful about it. And what you're seeing is less there's less folks that have either the subject matter expertise, right? Because there's only a certain amount of products that serve each specific niche or, or problem, right? Even. So what I am seeing though is folks really understand how to hone in their transferable skills and say, hey, listen, maybe I haven't done these things, or maybe I don't know your product or I don't know this space, but here's what I bring to the table. And I think if you understand what qualities any specific company might be looking for for a customer success professional, you can lean into those. And if you tell the right story, hopefully you, you land a job and get that opportunity. I love it. Well, let's talk about, you were at Bright Edge for some time. You moved up into yeah. leadership there. What made you want to go down the leadership route and of course, continue it for a career? You know, so when I was young, I was naive. Um, and so I, I was chasing two things. If I'm going to be very honest with you, I was chasing money and titles. Um, and, you know, 10 years later, I very different things that I, I look for. <laughs> but at that point, it was, you know, I just wanted to keep moving up, right? I, I was so, I was so driven. I'm still driven. I was so driven, but I really felt like, wow, I really wanted to just keep moving up in my career. I had these like ambitions of, oh, I want to lead, right? I, I want to stand out. And so I was such a strong individual contributor that I said, wow, okay, just like you're teaching your customers, like I could teach other people to do what I do. Yeah. And I'll tell you, people leadership is still the hardest thing I do every single day. And for people who aren't sure what their paths should be, just know like you don't have to go into people leadership. You can go be a very senior individual contributor and still be wildly successful. But, you know, after a few years in it, I really got the hang of it. And I, I realized not only am I good at it, but I loved it. I loved leading. I loved people and growing their career. And I always say one day, I will work for somebody who's worked for me and that will be like the ultimate goal, right? That I had the ability <laughs> to coach and, and lead somebody who one day has surpassed my professional trajectory. Yeah, I love that. So have you come into a mix of either given teams or have you built them all out organically by yourself? I know you've done this five times in a row. I'm sure there's some hybrid in some cases. Yep. Uh, for the most part, it's, well, no, that's, that's a lie. I've done it all. I've built from scratch under zero. Um, and then I've also inherited teams. I've had to 
unfortunately rebuild teams. So basically where I've had to release a bunch of folks um, who just didn't have the right skills to do the new job that we were needing them to do. And so you kind of like rebuild from there. Maybe you keep some people, you move other people around in the organization. So it's been, it's been an interesting path at every company because it is so unique. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, I guess, some of the common denominators, regardless of coming in the people or, or coming in flat. <laughs> You've had to scale these groups out pretty extensively in, in every single case, five times in a row. And you've got some pretty cool strategies and very thoughtful strategies, I'll say. You don't see a lot of people coming up with the, the structure and process to building things like I've discussed with you, Christy. Yep. And uh, I think that means a lot <laughs> that you're very like thoughtful in the space and it's very intentional, everything you do. And um Let's see that. What what made you be so operationally minded and, and want to set sort of this strategy and structure so early on and, and carry it through with you? And what does it sort of look like your overarching methodology? Yeah. So I, I think it just stems from who I am as a person. Like I'm a big rule follower. I like structure. <laughs> um, I work really well when I know what I'm supposed to be doing, um, which is great. But for me, what I realized stepping into these roles, right, you can't move quickly if you don't have the right processes people and technology in place, yeah. right? And so everyone will talk about that, right? People process technology. I didn't invent that. Uh, everyone knows that that's, that's the secret sauce. But what I realized is that to make any of those things work, you had to have the right infrastructure. And that was what a lot of organizations were lacking. It's what a lot of organizations lack today. And that prohibits the ability to move fast and scale. So for me, it was a no brainer, right? Like if I was going to focus on anything and I knew I was going to be part of organizations that were inevitably going to hit that, that bump where they're like taken off, right? That rocket ship. I had to get everything built out and build out those fundamentals. And so, you know, once you do it once or twice or now five times, right? You, you, you can wash, rinse, repeat a little bit of this. So I can actually move that much more faster because having done it so many times. So what is your methodology for growing teams? Yeah. So for me, it's all about making sure that you've got those repeatable processes in place. It's providing clarity um, so you can properly train and enable people to do the work that you need them to do at the pace in which you need them to do it. Right. I always say organizations that, and this is probably the standard for a lot of SaaS companies or even smaller ones, right? You hire people and it's like, okay, go, go figure out this job and you, you wish them the best. Right. And that's a recipe for failure. Your employees are going to fail. Your customers are going to fail. So for me, the methodology that I've, I've focused on is an employee first one. So if I ensure that I am properly training and enabling and giving my team the tools and resources and the time necessary to make them successful, right? They will be able to follow the frameworks that I've developed, therefore moving quickly, getting ramped faster, having higher success with our customers, therefore feeling really good about the work they're doing because everyone feels good when they're winning, right? Nobody feels good yeah. when they're losing. So if you can set your employees up for success, you'll be able to kind of run with it. So it's an employee first intentional focus around training enablement. Cool. Well, let's talk about those employees and people that you've led. Um, I can't imagine, maybe I'm being too presumptive, that the same methodology or like not everyone's as organized and as structured. Um, there's a diverse set of people and personas in the way they work out there. Are you specifically looking for people that work well under your leadership style or are you sort of adapting it uh, in bigger, small ways as you bring other people in? 
So listen, when I interview, I'm very clear about the type of leader I am, the processes that I've put in place, the structure I've created, and what I expect of everybody who's joining the organization. Now that said, there's flexibility, right? I want people to bring their creative individuality to the role and that diversity of thought, right? I want all of that. But I, I do say, listen, if you're not a process person, if you're not a person that, that thrives in structure, this isn't going to be a good place for you. And I'm big on like, there's got to be a good fit. I don't have an organization where you can come and just, you know what? I feel like today I'm going to do these things. It's like, no, today we have to do these things. So this is what we're going to do today. Um, so listen, I'm just very transparent. And I think that's what's made me successful with hiring is I'm very open. I, I will tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly when I interview folks. And I know that we'll get into that. Yeah. After every interview, I don't wait three days to follow up with them and let them know what we're going to do. At the end of the conversation, I know if we're advancing to the next stage or not. So I'm very transparent. I tell them, yes, we're going to move forward and here's why, or no, we're not. And here's why. And I'll tell you, I, I even had a conversation yesterday where I had to tell somebody, this isn't a fit for you. You wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't thrive in this role and you don't have what I need. Right. So it's not mutually beneficial relationship, which means I listen, add me on LinkedIn and I'll help you and I'll cheer you along the way. I think you've got a great background, but this isn't the role for you. And, you know, she sent me a note praising me and thankful for like my honesty, my transparency, because it's about time, right? You don't want to waste people's time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into the interview process a little bit. I know you've put a lot of collateral together and and have a pretty impressive process and they're like actually finding people. You're calling it your five steps, five steps to an effective customer success interview process, which is pretty cool. Before we dive into like exactly what those are, like, what do you think makes a good customer success person and how are they able to demonstrate those to you in like an interview process, or at least how are you trying to pull them out? So I'm looking for someone who's one, a strong communicator. That's something you can easily identify in the interview process, especially if you've got enough conversations with them. They, their delivery, their their energy, their passion, their enthusiasm, right? We do a lot virtually. If you are monotoned and disinterested and unengaged, that might not be the best formula. So I'm definitely over-indexing on communication. The questions that we ask, and we'll, we'll get into this, but everything I do is a behavioral style interview process. So it's a lot of tell me a time when, give me an example of. And so I really draw on experiences to hear their stories. Like, what have you done? Why have you done those things? And that will help me identify their skills and how they're how they process and, and solution things. Are you generally um, interviewing people with experience and customer success? I'm sure you've hired some very junior people before. Do you think the same method works based on like- Yes, because I ask for, if you don't have an exact example in that role, tell me something that you feel is a comparable scenario in the field in which you worked that I can draw on the same thing. And so you get really, like I had a woman who I interviewed who, Unfortunately, the pandemic hit, so I couldn't extend an offer, but we made it to offer, but she didn't have a background in this. She had a background in public relations, but she found really great stories from her experience that aligned with what I was looking for. I was like, wow, you do, you have the perfect profile to do this work. And I thought that was really interesting, right? So she didn't have customer success experience to say, hey, I did these things exactly the way you're kind of outlining it. So, um, you know, the, the solutions oriented mindset interviews are a specific allocated amount of time. So I look for call control and time management, right? So if I've got somebody who is very long-winded and maybe doesn't watch the clock and we end up running significantly over, you know, you can't do that with customers. So 
I'm very clear on how I'm assessing them in each interview. And I tell them, I'm like, I look for this. I look for this. I look for this. So when you have somebody who doesn't pay attention to the things you're literally telling them. Um, oh, so you lay, what do you lay out. out exactly at the forefront? You tell people exactly what you're analyzing them on? Oh, yes. So with every interview, I set proper expectations. The oh, cool. When I send them an email to schedule it, right? Like according to logistics, I say, here's this interview. Here's what I'm assessing. Here's the things I will be looking for. Here's how I'll be measuring the success of our conversation. Um, be prepared, right? I'm looking for examples of this. I like real life stories. Um, please don't repeat the same stories over to answer similar questions. Don't use the same customers over and over. So I give them enough to prepare. Obviously, I'm not sharing the questions with them, yeah. but they have enough visibility to know what I'm looking for and how I'll be assessing it. And to me, it's again, that level of transparency allows people to prepare. I think it removes the anxiety and they come in, you know, ready to have the conversation I want them to have. It sounds like you've taken a lot of pieces from actually doing the job, obviously, and put them into this uh, interview process, like in a way that you're almost acting as a pseudo clientele that they would be working with as the customer success manager. Is that sort of what you're trying to replicate? I customer manage them, right? Yeah. To me, they're <laughs> my customer, right? They're They're the candidate going through this. And I want to do everything I would with my customers, right? good, strong communication, making sure that I'm following up in a timely manner, setting expectations, aligning on the agenda, right? Coming prepared. How, how horrible is it? I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I have, where you show up to an interview with somebody who clearly hasn't reviewed your resume and doesn't have any questions prepared. It's yeah. horrible. It's like, uh, uh, it's like, you know, just very uncomfortable. So I don't want that, right? I want everybody who comes through my process, whether they continue and make it to offer or not to walk away saying, wow, that was the best interview process I've ever been a part of. That's really, um, that's really respectful, I would say. And not a lot of people do that same courtesy. I will ask, are you pretty selective in the amount of people that you do interview in the first place? Because um, imagine that could be pretty consuming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, again, I think at this stage in my career, I've, I've reviewed enough resumes to know um, what I'm looking for. And I do all my own screening, right? So I don't have a recruiting team and I haven't in my last, two roles. Um, I didn't have anybody doing the pre-screen, the, the reviewing the resumes, setting everything up. I do everything myself, everything from the, the follow-up emails, the coordination, the calendar, the reminders, the follow-ups. I mean, everything I do yeah, it myself. I can tell you best. That's a whole nother job. <laughs> it's a full-time job. My yeah. last, my last company, I hired 20 people in under a year. And so actually like in seven months, I hired Unheard of. people yeah. doing all of that myself. So yeah, that's, that's a full-time job, especially if you want to do it well. Um, but again, it's like, that's the experience I want for them. And that's the experience I want them to, it's a kind of like lead from the front, right? Like that's the same way I'm treating you is the way that I would expect you to come in here and treat my customers. So I feel like it, it just, I think it's it's good all around. Yeah. So a little bit deeper into your interview process, you commonly like to, I guess, have your candidates interact with all of the go-to-market teams, sort of that revenue triangle of sales, marketing, and customer success, and you associate steps specifically for those. Yeah. What's the value in that? And what exactly are you asking these people to look for, uh, given that it's another VP of marketing, or VP of sales that's interviewing them? Yeah. So it definitely depends, right? How, how large my organization is, right? What are the people I have access to? Um, you know, it, and also I will say it evolves depending on how technical the product is. Sometimes I will even loop in the product team to be part of that. 
Um, So that would be an additional step. So maybe six instead of five. But really the big thing for me is each of those has a specific thing I'm focusing on, right? Like my first call, it's an exploratory conversation. It is for me and my candidate to assess is this something that we want to explore further? I, you know, I want to tell them more about me, our role, this opportunity where we're out as a business. I want to learn about their experience. I do ask specific questions and I'll tell you my last question that usually depend, that usually drives whether we move forward or not. But, you know, it's all about getting to know them at a high level, but it's exploratory, right? Like, let's see if we want to do this. Um, I, I would say it would be like the first exchange on like online dating, which I've been married for many years, so I haven't done that, but like, I have to imagine that first, like, "Mm, do we want to go out? Um, But the last question I ask is always around compensation. And the reason I do that, I always ask, you know, what is your desired compensation in your next role? Because I will tell you, there is nothing more frustrating than investing hours and hours of time with a candidate to get them to offer only for there to be such extreme misalignment. Um, so I ask up front, I'm like, what are your expectations? If they're far off, I tell them, I'm like, here's where I am. This is exactly what I've budgeted for this role on the high end. This means I need you on my team. I cannot function without you. That doesn't mean that that's what you would get, but here is my range. And it's usually a small, it's a tight range, but I I tell them and I'm like, listen, if this is not what you're comfortable earning, we don't move forward. This is non-negotiable. I don't have more secret money hidden somewhere. Like this is what I got. Do you want to continue? And I'll tell you, like, there's people that are like, thank you so much. I, I can't make that work. And I get it. Listen, people have families and mortgages and hobbies. Like, listen, you want to afford yep. the lifestyle that you live. And I get that. Um, but I, I don't want there to be any misconceptions <clears throat> that I'll be able to do something different. So I end with that. And that's always a good, like, yeah, no, we're, we're good. We're in range. We can move forward or nope. Good luck with your search. We part ways as friends. Yeah. Um, but I, but I love, I love teeing that up. Yeah, no, it's good. And I think setting expectations clear, like a lot of people neglect like the transparency in their processes and take, I don't know, there's a lot of egos going around in it sometimes. And it, it doesn't always lend to a really good and respectful process. And obviously that's very important, especially when we're at such a supply and demand deficit of candidates right now. So <laughs> it's it's kind of, uh, it, it's interesting. And it's nice that you take such a like empathetic approach even kind of going full circle to your process you choose to which I think I won't call it controversial but people love or they hate this do a full-on presentation at the end of all of your interview processes that is correct why do you do that I'm guessing at this point there's been three or four steps already everyone's probably enthralled by this person and, and likes them quite a bit but you want to put them through the ringer and have them do a 60 minute presentation what does that normally consist of and what's the value out of that Yeah. So the presentation itself is 30 minutes. So the last conversation I have with every candidate is scheduled for 60. They present for 30 and the last 30 is just me answering any questions that they have. I believe, again, I want there to be no surprises if you join my organization. So come, I'll give you 30 minutes with me, Q&A, full transparency. I'll tell you everything. Um, But the the presentation is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's no go. I, I will not move a candidate forward who does not want to participate in this exercise. Now it's not a presentation, Joey. So what I give them is I say, here's a list of 10 customers. It's all made up data. So I don't use any proprietary information. Here's a list of 10 customers. Here are some data points about these customers. If your job as a CSM here is going to be to retain, grow and drive advocacy, how are you going to manage this book of business? You have to do it in 10 slides or less. You have 30 minutes from start to end. There is a timer. And 
you know, it challenges them to think like, wow, okay, if I'm coming in day one, what do I do? So for me, and I invite other members of my team to participate, I get to see how they strategize, right? How they identify risk, how they identify opportunity, how they're building advocacy. Um, I've seen really cool, like people have put together like some really cool matrix of like, here's how I've assessed this based on that. I'm like, kind of like mind blown. But the cool thing is everyone comes with a very different way and different approach on doing it. I get to see their presentation style. I get to hear how they would drive a call with a customer almost. So for me, I, I learn a ton. And the reason why I will continue to do this, and I know it is controversial, but I've had candidates who we have felt really good about come to that and bomb it. Like, I mean, painfully bad presentations, yeah. in which case it's like, I'm glad I did that. And I've had enough of those in my experience to say, I won't stop. That's cool. I, I guess... Um... That's really interesting. Do you care more? You, you talked about how everyone has sort of a different way of going about it. Do you care more about what that methodology is or just that they had something thoughtful in the first place? If it drives to the three outcomes that we're looking for, right? If I feel like based yeah. off of what they've explained, it will help satisfy retention growth and drive advocacy. I don't care how you get there, right? Like customer success is going to be a bit unique. Yeah. Customers behave differently, even the ones that presumably look the exact same, right? They're all going to do a little dip. They're going to behave a little different. So for me, there's not one recipe to success. It's, I want to see, how do you present? How did you prepare? What does your presentation style look like? How, like, how are you thinking about risk and opportunity? And, you know, like I said, I learned, I learned a lot about these candidates when I go through that and it's fun. I ask them, I say, you know, <laughs> the first thing I ask them is my question. When we wrap up, I said, please give me feedback on this exercise. Is this something you enjoyed doing? Did you hate it? Did you feel like it was uncomfortable? And everyone always tells me like, this is the best presentation I've had. I didn't ask them to do a mock EBR. I didn't ask them to, to present something that was irrelevant. It's like, no, here's a job you're going to do. How are you going to do it? Well, let's, um, I guess, wrap that up. I know we're sort of coming up to time and everything here, Christy. So that's, that's awesome and really impressive stuff you've put together. Back to the candidate side, like, what can someone do? And, and I can't even imagine someone really falling on their face in your interview process because it seems like you do everything in your power to set them up for success and set really clear expectations, which is very gracious of you. And, and um, I wouldn't call it over the top, but I, I can't imagine anyone's unappreciative of that. What can someone do to be successful? What should they really focus on? Obviously, there's a lot of different things they need to demonstrate in this process, but if you could break it down into three of the top takeaways, values that they need to demonstrate across the board in either your interview process or just anything in customer success in general, what could those be? I mean, the first thing I would say is be prepared to tell your story. Um, you don't want somebody who's going to rattle off their resume or, you know, give you the obvious points, right? Tell a narrative that's going to help the interviewer envision you as part of their organization. So storytelling is huge. And I think you've got to be, you've got to be tight on what your story is. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing is you've got, to, if you are somebody who is anxious and uncomfortable and you get really nervous, you've got to break through that a little bit, right? They, they want to break and they want to get to know you. And sometimes people's fear and anxiety and angst, it, blocks any ability to actually get a sense of who they are and what they're going to bring to the table. So work on that. If that is something that you struggle with, definitely just practice, 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 practice. I feel like practicing will help you prepare, maybe ease some of those nerves. And the third thing is, listen, understand what the role is and what the company is looking for. If, you know, if you're clear on that, 
come with examples of how you're going to contribute in a meaningful way. I always try to figure out from a candidate, how are they going to up-level my team, right? If I'm focused on diversity of thought, what are they going to bring that is unlike anybody else I have on my team? Go research. You can go to LinkedIn and go see who the other people are in your organization. What, what is different and unique about you? And be prepared to sell yourself. I love that. I love that. That's really bringing a different spice to the whole thing. <laughs> Well, cool, Chrissy. Thank you for that. And thank you for all this incredibly valuable insight. I think uh, a lot of people, especially myself, can definitely take something away from this and hopefully put it into practice and shortcoming. <laughs> Anything else uh, you would like to close us out with? I mean, are there resources? I know you have some available for people, even in regards to this five-step interview process. Where can they find them? Where can they find you or anything else you'd like to plug in here? Yep. Big on LinkedIn. So you can come find me. Just search for Christy Feltruso. You'll find it there. Also, CS Real Simple has a page on LinkedIn. Also, the website, csrealsimple.com. Also, have a Pinterest handle if you're interested in infographics and easy step-by-step plays on how to do customer success in a very simple and easy way. Go check out the Pinterest page. Lots of guides there to help you. They're awesome, awesome infographics, actually. I'm looking for them all <laughs> right now. They're like really cool. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for that, Christy. <laughs> all those links for everyone will be um, either in the video here or in the bio uh, for everything like that. But Christy, thank you. Have a wonderful day and hopefully we'll uh, see you again soon. Thanks, Joey. Take care.